Hello, hello. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm excited to welcome today my co-host, Alderman Maria Hatton. Hello. hello. Good morning. Good morning. Well, afternoon, actually. Uh, uh, it's afternoon. afternoon. <laughs> I know. It's um, Well, I'm excited to have you here. And um, as you know, we generally start by doing a little host chat and want to just talk about um, a little bit of our, our history together. Um, when do you think we met? I, I know we were debating about this, but I'm I'm going to put it somewhere around 2016. 2016. Somewhere in 2016. Yeah. yeah. And um, um, used to live in your ward mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some time ago um, in 2016. We were actually that was the last year we lived in the ward in 40 uh, in the 49th ward. But but I didn't. I never knew you as a neighbor though. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it must have been right after we moved, perhaps. Yeah. Right. Um, moved to the 40th Ward. Um, however, um, knew you before you maybe even had thought about running? Absolutely. Uh, I think we met before I had even contemplated running for office. Okay. And and so what were you doing around 2016, 2017? So I was working with the Participatory Budgeting Project. Mm-hmm. So I'd been working in the nonprofit space Uh, specifically around participatory democracy and civic engagement for several years. Mm -hmm. And um, when we really got to engage, I know it was because I reached out to the Morton Group. We were looking for uh, an experienced uh, consultant to work with us on some nonprofit organizational development work. Mm -hmm. And um, so whenever it was that we met, somewhere around 2016, um, I did know about the Morton Group, and we were excited that you were willing to work with our organization. Absolutely. Um, And and tell tell folks a little bit about that organization, because it's work that you have been involved with. You you are a documentary about it. Yeah. So uh, participatory budgeting is a process that started in Brazil Mm -hmm. um, in 1989 in Porto Alegre, Brazil. And um, here in the United States and around the world, it's really looking at more direct democratic engagement and giving people and communities a say over how public dollars are spent. So I was uh, really um, drawn into it by my predecessor, mm-hmm. right, Joan right. Moore. Right. I was the first alder person in the United States to to do and use this process in, in the in the U.S. Um, I got engaged as a volunteer. Uh, really took to the opportunity for getting to know neighbors and feeling like we'd be able to engage more transparently with government Mm -hmm. and uh, then spent a decade helping communities uh, design their processes around the country. And that's something that's still being used now. Absolutely. Because I've I've been invited, as I'm sure all of our neighbors. I think it's happening now. It's happening right now. That's right. That's right. It's happening in the 40th Ward. And... Where did you grow up, though? Let's talk a little bit about how you, before you even got to Mm. some of your professional work, where did you grow up? Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Born and raised. Both my uh, dad and mom's side have been there for multiple generations. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, yeah, went to Westerville South High School. Because uh, I know Chicago people love to talk about where they graduated high school. I know yes, it doesn't they do. mean anything That's to you, right. but I graduated from Westerville South okay. High School. It's a Westerville <laughs> Wildcat. Um, went to Ohio, uh, the Ohio State University. Oh, okay. Um, my bachelor's is in uh, peace and conflict management and oh. international studies. Well, isn't how helpful that must so be to helpful. you being in the city council. So helpful. You would not believe <laughs> oh, how I frequently believe <laughs> I, I use this, these skills. But um, what brought me to Illinois was I, I knew I wanted to work in public service. Mm-hmm. 
I wanted some work experience, though, mm-hmm. um, before going on to graduate school. So I uh, volunteered in our national service program, AmeriCorps. Oh, AmeriCorps. Um, great program. Yep. And AmeriCorps brought me to Waukegan. Okay. And um, after being in Waukegan in close proximity to Chicago, I certainly <laughs> wanted to give uh, Chicago a try. So Ohio to Illinois mm-hmm. uh, to Rogers Park. Is that where you lived first? That was the, so I lived in uh, Wakanda, not not wow. Wakanda, okay. but Wakanda, I Illinois. I know where that is. Year, right? That's out there. And worked in Waukegan. Um, so that was in 2003. And uh-huh. then in 2004, when my AmeriCorps year was up, I moved to Rogers Park. So okay. it was the first neighborhood I lived in in Chicago. And been the only one? Nope. nope. I, I gave Humboldt Park a try for a year. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Central Park in Dickens. Okay. Um, did a year in Logan Square, oh. um, right at Kedzie and Fullerton. And uh, then back to Rogers Park. All right. And then um, you worked at the uh, participatory budgeting project. And mm-hmm. at some point you decided, I'm going to run for office. Um, you know, and I think uh, you could have a, find a lot of people in not just city, but uh, local government increasingly that have this experience. I was very involved with my neighbors. I mm-hmm. volunteered. I was an engaged kind of just neighborhood person, uh, then professionally, right, got into organizing spaces, um, uh, both in the volunteer space, right? I was a member of Black Youth Project 100 for oh, several yes. years. Yes. Okay. And then with participatory budgeting and, and working with local government, after a while, your your friends and your neighbors start saying, uh, could you please run for office? Uh-huh. Like, we would love you to be mm-hmm. an elected office. Mm-hmm. And so it took a while. Um, it wasn't something I have, had ever planned for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, But in 2017, with so many things changing in the world, right, on our national scale, Yes. Um, well, in 20, 2016, they started, right? Right. <laughs> yes, with that election. Um, but yeah, that election <laughs> yeah. changed a, changed a lot for people. And for me, it helped bring me closer to the point of actually considering, you know, would I be good at this? Um, could I take everything that I'd learned um, from my personal and professional experiences? Mm-hmm. Could I apply it? Could I apply all my values and beliefs around democratic process and practice um, to this role. And after some time of reflection and talking with friends and colleagues, I felt like I could confidently uh, do that. All right. Well, I know a little bit later we're going to talk about some of the focus areas in in the 49th Ward. Um, We've got another alder person um, that will be joining us. You want to say a little bit about them? Yeah. So, um, you know, I got elected first in 2019, Mm -hmm. and this is now... uh, uh, my second term, and it's really exciting to have some more uh, inspiring colleagues join us. So, uh, Alderperson Lenny Mana Hoppenworth uh, is the 48th Ward Alderperson, and um, she is one of the co founders of um, uh, local political organizations uh, in the 48th Ward. I got to know her. Um, as part of the Indivisible chapter uh, for District 9 that she really got into um, also after that Trump election. Um, She was even a volunteer in some of my campaign activities, so was excited to support her run, and uh, it's great to have her literally sitting next to me in Chicago City Council. Okay, well, we'll have a chance to speak with her a little bit later. I want to also just talk a little bit about um, how you have found your the second term right Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe it's a second term it is hard to believe it's a second term it absolutely is and what do you know now that you didn't know in the first term i know um a little bit more about how long it takes to implement policy changes 
right? Um, we we come in fresh and we're, we're eager. We're ready to change the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I may have a, a little bit more of a understanding than most having worked alongside local government. Um, but I also have a better understanding of um, how to pace the work, right? Um, how to kind of spend my time and energy. And the thing that uh, you can never know, though, is um, from this first term, so many things changed outside of our control, the, the COVID pandemic. And here we are entering the second term with a migrant crisis, with so much happening in the world that um, it's important, even though it's not any easier knowing it, to um, pace yourself and to find the right balance so that you can serve your constituents for all those core city things that they rely on you for, while also finding ways to be a leader on some of these larger issues. That's right. I mean, everyone wants to make sure the potholes are fixed, their garbage is being picked Absolutely. up. Absolutely. The heat's working, right? That's yeah. right. Right. Mm-hmm. Some basic sort of creature comforts, if you will, that, that we've gotten used to. Um, yet, to your point, there's some larger policy issues mm-hmm. um, that have really been in the forefront of some of the council's work. And, and I don't I don't see that changing. What about you? Um, not at all, right? Uh, we are, it's what our job is. Mm-hmm. Um, increasingly, as we build a more independent city council, as I feel like we have more responsibilities put on our cities mm-hmm. that the federal government isn't addressing, that means more work uh, for us and, and uh, you know, more things we have to do in order to address our constituents' needs. Right. Well, we're going to talk about that. I also want to talk a little bit about the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. You know, it's coming. It is. It's going to be here and before we know it. Yeah. And uh, have you been to one of the conventions before? I have not. I have not been to one of the conventions well, before. Well, it's an experience, let me just say. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But we're going to come back in a moment and talk about some of the news items of the day, if mm-hmm. you will. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and we're back in a moment. Listen to this. 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 
everyone. It's Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud on WCPT 820 AM. And I'm excited today to have my friend and alder person from the 49th Ward, uh, alder, alder person, uh, Maria Haddon. You know, I, I, I trip up a little bit on that because I've always been interested in not having it be aldermen. Uh-huh. Has that, I've seen that more people have started to say that. Yeah, and it's um, when I ran, I specifically used alder woman. woman I remember right? that. Right, because mm-hmm. there'd only been one alder woman yeah. ever mm-hmm. in the 49th Ward, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I still use alder woman, but we did officially. So first the state. Oh, really? The state of Illinois changed the term to alder person. Lovely. Mm-hmm. And so we also adopted that in the city. Um, so now it's just the Wild West Mary. <laughs> People just go with whatever. They go with whatever. Okay. All right. Well, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is uh, about an ordinance that you uh, introduced. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, bring Chicago home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a, a big effort that existed before I was in council even. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Bring Chicago Home Coalition, led by the Chicago Coalition of the Homeless, many other community partners citywide. Mm -hmm. Um, As I understand, it was actually first proposed by Alderman Walter Burnett. Oh, really? Right, some years ago, um, and didn't get traction there. So last term, I um, had the great honor of being the lead sponsor in introducing what was a resolution Mm -hmm. In order to get this question on the ballot, mm-hmm. we want to ask the Chicago voters if they think we should create a dedicated source of revenue to address homelessness with this change in the real estate transaction tax. Um, so we uh, fought very hard for it last term. We're unsuccessful mm-hmm. in, in getting this passed. Uh, but coming in with a new council and a new mayor, mm-hmm. this was a, a campaign promise from Mayor Brandon Johnson. And working with his administration and the coalition, we were able to pass Bring Chicago Home last month, which Congratulations. is such a relief. That's huge. Um, but the work's not over. Right, so right. Um, now that this will be on the March 19th, 2024 uh, ballot, mm-hmm. so voters will get to decide um, what we're proposing is to uh, create a tiered system for our real estate transaction tax. So just for, in in layman's terms, this is if you own a piece of property Mm -hmm. and you sell a piece of property, or if you're buying a piece of property, whether it's residential or commercial, um, there is a real estate transaction tax. Um, Think of it as like a... I mean, it's literally a transaction. It's a sales tax. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So one time fee yes. that the buyer has to pay. Oh, yes. I um, recall this. <laughs> right. So yeah. you got to pay it. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we wanted to do was increase that. So what we came away with was instead of doing a flat increase for everyone, actually 96 percent of property sold. And we looked at the last three years um, fall under a million, a million dollars. dollars. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And this is for residential and commercial. Mm-hmm. And so. Properties under a million dollars actually have a reduction in their real estate transfer tax. And then we've got uh, properties that are over a million. And then properties that are over 1.5 million will see an increase. It's also marginal, though. So let's say you're uh, buying a property for 1.2 million. You're going to pay the higher rate only on the 200,000. 
oh, okay. and not on the total oh, amount. Okay. Now, what we're trying to do is we don't want to harm people, but we don't have a dedicated source of fund for homelessness. Mm-hmm. So much of what we lack and how we're able to keep people in their homes or provide more um, uh, affordable housing solutions or even wraparound services for people experiencing homelessness is because we rely on grants from the federal government. Um, they're limited both in scope and like who we can use those funds for. Right. And they're also limited in dollar amounts. So this is what we've relied on for years. So what we're trying to do, we've been able to use COVID funds over oh, the last couple of years okay. mm-hmm. um, more generously. Uh, the Office of the Inspector General did a study on this rapid rehousing events, these accelerated moving events that the Department of Family and Support Services was able to do over the last couple of years. Transformational, Mary. So. Uh, independent review says this is a very successful program in helping to house people and keep them housed, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. We need uh, funds with fewer restrictions in order to do that. And that's what we're trying to do with Bring Chicago Home. So we estimate we'll be able to create about $100 million in additional revenue that can go towards building new housing. It can go towards rental assistance, mortgage assistance, keep people in their homes, wraparound services. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say there are restrictions in federal funds um, for returning citizens, right? So people, you know, re-entering the community, coming out of incarceration. Um, there are so many restrictions on federal funds on how we wow. can help them. Uh, with our own city pot of funds, we could have broader services. This is also particularly impactful for the LGBT community, um, as especially our trans siblings have so many restrictions right. on housing mm-hmm. um, and overlapping with criminalization. Uh, so I'm really hopeful uh, that we'll be able to get voters to say yes to this in March. Then it has to come back to city council where we'll have to finalize this with an ordinance. And if all goes well, we still have to wait until 2026 to get this money. Okay. All right. And so the impact on those who are unhoused uh, will potentially be very tremendous. It'll be a couple years down the road, assuming everything moves along. Does And this won't in any way impact the conversations and the services and the work that's being done around housing migrants. Correct. Right. It's totally separate. It's totally separate. Right. So this is something that started before. But I think that first with the covid pandemic and now with the new arrivals and the migrant crisis, we are feeling the gaps that we have in our structure. So, you know, we had uh, an encampment of people experiencing homelessness at Tui Park in my ward for 18 months. It took 18 months for us to get people housed. And that was through three of those accelerated moving events. There were so few resources available. um, And a lot of it had to do with the amount of funds. Once we started getting those first care dollars and then ARPA dollars, our city was able to do more. So we've learned a lot about what we can do. Now, right, we're dealing with the the crisis of all the the migrants arriving and the city's created a totally separate system, right, for sheltering them temporarily. But ultimately, the solution for them is going to have to come through federal funds. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I just want to say that I have had my own experience recently with trying to support someone who was unhoused and um, had some concerns about just how you get through the shelter system, which is now being coordinated Yes, the coordinated right. entry system, uh, continuum yet, of care. If you don't have a telephone, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I find it difficult 
to figure out how someone is going to be able to take advantage of it, meaning that I was trying to help a person who I literally met on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, have you been to a shelter? And she went into this whole process. And I said, really? So I called and I did. I just didn't know things had changed in that manner because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to you go to a shelter, you fill out some paperwork and you ideally can be admitted. And that's not the case anymore. It's been coordinated. Mm-hmm. And I understand a coordinated effort, yet it seems as though there's still many um, hoops someone has to jump through to be able to access um, the services. Is, yes. if, is, is that what I'm hearing? Because when I called, I forget which organization I called, I said, it just feels like the system is broken or it's not working. And the person said, oh, no, it's absolutely broken. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> all right. Um, but now what do we do? Because I I couldn't really help that person in a way that I thought was going to be most beneficial mm-hmm. to them. And I'll say, again, some of this comes back to where are those funding dollars coming from? Mm-hmm. And they're coming from the federal government and yeah. they're coming from HUD. Yeah. And what are all the requirements and all the red tape and all the paperwork and documentation that the federal government requires the city, the state, right? And therefore, we require organizations that are our grantees mm-hmm. in order to fill out. And it really should be simpler than that. But it is very difficult for people experiencing homelessness um, in our city. Um, You'd think it'd be pretty straightforward. I know um, sometimes, you know, people who haven't experienced, you know, being houseless, um, they'll often complain, well, that person just doesn't want to be housed, right? Because there Mm -hmm. are services. But between maybe negative experiences people have in shelters, Mm -hmm. um, so many people that we worked with in Tui Park, they had jobs, they had jobs and they were they were working, so they couldn't just uproot themselves right, and right. go to a, a shelter on the right, west side right. or downtown because they didn't have transportation. And you need people with experience who've lived that experience helping to, to think of those program and policy solutions. But with Bring Chicago Home, we're also going to get, again, a source of revenue that we're going to have a lot more control over that's going to give us the flexibility to create solutions that we know work that we have not been able to do previously. All right. Well, we'll, we will be listening for more to come and and wishing you all the best because that will be on the ballot on March 19th. March 19th. Yeah. March 19th. And what else do we look for for, toward uh, happening in in, in, uh, with the upcoming elections in March? Sure. So this is going to be our primary. Right. 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 Um, So uh, for some people, exciting things on the ballot for others, maybe not so exciting. So at least you can get excited about Bring Chicago Home. Um, So I think you'll you'll definitely see some things in the coming months, but especially around January, opportunities to volunteer. We're going to need people to help us get the word out. I want to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about that. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment.
people, this is Gina Yashua, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud on WCPT. So listen. And we are back on Living Out Loud. I love that promo from Gina Yashare. And I, I don't know if you uh, heard this, but I have to mention it uh, whenever I can that um, her show, uh, Bob Hart's Abishola, which has been on, it will be the fifth season coming up. Nice. And it's not being renewed. Um, oh. And so this will be the final season. So I really want to encourage people to go oh. to CBS on Monday nights. Check it out. It's very, very, very fun. And I'm um, really proud of all yeah, she's accomplished. It's about um, being renewed. I'm sorry? So too bad it's not being renewed. Yeah, it's been five years, mm-hmm. and that is often, you know, five, six years, the run mm-hmm. for a show of this mm-hmm. nature. And so um, she's done some incredible things. However, we are excited now yeah. to welcome one of your colleagues and friends and someone I have just been really excited to get to know better. Um, I, I just moved out of your ward um, uh, several years ago. But uh, we want to welcome, um, for the first time to Living Out Loud, Older person Lenny Mana Hoppenworth. Hello, are you there? Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're excited to have I, a chance to talk with you. Hi, Lenny. Yeah, hi, hi. I, I, I'm curious, Mary. Um, what did you love about the 48th Ward? <laughs> oh, oh, I love how you start asking questions. Okay. <laughs> um, I loved um, just being able to walk up to Clark Street, honestly, um, because my business was on Clark Street for a number of years. We were right above um, Andersonville Antiques, um, and uh, it was it was very convenient. And so I I love just the feel of the neighborhood, and, and still feel, spend a lot of time in Andersonville. I mean that's the reality. Even though I live further west and I live in um, Andre's ward now, I still feel you know I'm up on Clark Street a fair amount, and uh, I still go to the cleaners there and several of the restaurants there. So um, yeah, I'd like the convenience of it. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that about our ward. I I live actually on Clark Street on Somerdale, and then my small business Clark Street and and Berwyn. So my footprint is very small. Okay, I just need to go. All right, and there. Yeah, something the last something you both have in common though, being uh, 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 small business owners. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to talk more about that. But let's talk a little bit about. why you decided to run for older person in the 48th ward? Well, I think that it, being in that Andersonville community for 24 years, it's been really fantastic to to raise my family there, to have my small business there. But when the election came around in 2016, I, like so many others in the neighborhood in my community, felt despair that we've not experienced ever in our lives. So luckily, you know, living in Andersonville in the Edgewater area, um, people got together and we did things. And And I I got active in civic engagement for the first time um, in ways that I have not been before. So before that, I was very involved with my kids' school. I was um, a local school council member at Jones. I was um, an Andersonville Chamber of Commerce board member, and I also served on several arts organizations like Chicago Tap Theater and Cirque Rivera, and um, that was the way that we were rooted in our community. But but after those elections, you know, there there was always this feeling that I could have done more because truly on that day, you know, we were sitting in um, our family room watching 
the results come in from the, the election from the federal elections, knowing that you know, of course, we're going to have our our first woman president, and and seeing the returns and seeing the TV turn from um, blue to red, it was um, devastating so viscerally, um, and so. You know, again, I, I got really lucky that um, so many people wanted to do something. We marched, of course. A lot of us marched for the first time. And then we came home and wanted to do more. So I got involved uh, locally, um, wanting to know who my representative was in, in Congress and found out that it was uh, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky in the 9th Congressional District, and as well as every other level of government that represented me um, at the state level and at the city council level as well. Um, and, and knowing that we needed to work together to make, to make things, um, to protect, you know, what we, we love about our neighborhood, which is a place where, as you know, people can live real authentic lives, you know, no matter who, who they are, who they love, what color, they are, you know, how much money they make. That's the kind of world that um, I want to live in. And I think that everyone, no matter where you are in this, in this um, globe, um, that you should deserve that too. So, so the reason why I considered even running is because, um, you know, we're in this moment where um, it feels like so much, you know, we experienced, like, I, I thought that the 2016 election was just going to be like the tipping point in my life where my life is going to change forever. But then we had, you know, the, uh, George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. And then we had the pandemic. And then we had, you know, it, you just keep going on and on and on. And and so when this when there was an opportunity to do something more at the local level with the city council, two thirds of city council retiring or moving on to do something else, people said what what are you thinking of? And I, I never thought I'd run for anything. You know, I was, I well, have well, been doing things. Lenny, this yeah. is, this is actually perfect. Uh, this is Maria. So I remember when you called me, so I was telling Mary before, like, I mm-hmm. think I first met you, um, when you, uh, started that indivisible chapter. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we got to know each other a little bit. You did some volunteer photography, even like, you know, for, for my campaign. But, um, I remember when you called me because I was on a vacation in the Appalachian Mountains. Wow! And when you called me, when mm-hmm. you were considering running, right? And I remember mm-hmm. that I remember having a couple conversations with you and being really excited for you. But hopefully, hopefully, you felt like I gave you some fair warnings. But um, uh, from that point of when you made your decision, right? When you made your decision to run. Um, to kind of where we are now, right? Like, what are we eight months in uh, to the first mm-hmm. term, something like that? What's been What's been most rewarding for you so far in this role, and and what's been most challenging? So the, I'm so glad again to be reminded of where I live, mm-hmm. and and that surrounded by awesome people like Alderwoman Maria Hatton to the north, and that was you know that kind of. That kind of connection is what has um, pulled me along all this time. But it's the continuation of that. It's the continuation of that that kind of uh, relationship building that has been really exciting for me because, of course, you know, as a grassroots person, how do you get to know your city council member? You know, you could meet with them, but it's not just that one person. It's 49 other people mm-hmm. that actually represent you in, 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 um, in city council. And so... 
actually being able to go into chambers and meet and to get to know each one of these people that represent a particular neighborhood in the city of Chicago is just fascinating to me. You know, they, they're actual people. They have lives. You know, they like um, it's, I, 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 that kind of personal thing. It's just it's fascinating to me because in the end of the day, the people who represent you in government are just people. And so it, it just it shines a light on the fact that mm-hmm. anybody um, who has a mind to make things better um, could consider getting involved with their local governments. And um, that that's a part that makes me really happy, you know, that they're that they're actual people behind here, yeah. um, especially in this, you know, especially in this um, moment where um, AI technology is really coming to the forefront of how we're going to do things. Um, uh, moving forward in the future, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, this level of um, that needs to be there. There's this level of trust that needs to be there with anything that we do, and especially with um, with government, with local government for sure. Um, and so, I if that's that's the part that's been really making me um, hopeful. But the the challenging part is also just you know getting together. So that we can move forward to get things done. For instance, today I'm here um, in, <laughs> and I just left chambers because we gaveled in and gaveled out because we didn't have enough people. Oh dear! No which, quorum. Which committee, Lenny? Police, police and fire. Oh. And yeah, and so we were one short. And the thing is that I'm not on this committee. But I'm interested in this topic of public safety and police and fire. And so I I came, but I'm not being counted. And there are all the, you know, other people that were online. But because of the rules that we have, mm-hmm. only the people that are physically present can be counted for, towards quorum. And so those that, you know, it, it, it's frustrating because we, we have so much to do yeah. and such little time to do it. And the, and the fact is that when you leave your ward comes to City Hall, you have to leave things behind. Luckily, we have really great teams in our ward offices to get get things done, but there's, you know, there's nothing like showing up. Yeah. So um, that's that's where I am right now. I'm in my office and i um, glad to be talking to you, but also wanting to get things done in City Hall. Well, that is why you are, you're in office along with uh, the extraordinarily progressive caucus and something that i've said to a number of folks is we probably have right now the most progressive administration mm-hmm. both at the city and the state level yep. yet your hands are still bound in some ways because it's still government right <laughs> with all the bureaucracy that comes along with being in government i mean there's there's no way around it but we are excited to have someone like you there someone like maria there and really just want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule um i hope to run into you on Clark Street at some point uh, and just want to continue to wish you the best of luck. And if there's anything I can do, you know, again, I'm just across the way in the 40th Ward, but certainly want to be supportive. I get your newsletter. I read it every week. Um, and so um, I, I appreciate your campaign of where where are we going to find Lenny this week? You know, just moving all around to get to know folks. But I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, with you and the other progressive members of the um, council, we're gonna we're gonna get some things done this year. Yeah, Lenny, you've been uh, yeah. fantastic to work with, and I uh, look forward to seeing you in committee. I think tomorrow. Thank you, thank you, thank you so um, much. Thank you, Mary. You both. Thank you for having me. All right, have a great day. Bye, Take Lenny. care. 
Wow. Yeah, lots going on. Lots going on. Lots of work to do. But I think we've got some extraordinary people, Absolutely. right, in this in this uh, session, in this council. Uh, and uh, we're going to continue to support you all, right? Okay. So you're listening to Living Out Loud. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a moment. to Living Out Loud. I'm here with Alderperson Maria Hatton, and um, I just want to take a moment and thank, again, Craig Loftus, um, also known as Grand High Priest, who joined us last week on Living Out Loud when we had uh, Laura Branch on, and just want to thank Craig for some really uh, wonderful music. Um, you can't see us, but we absolutely are dancing in the studio, and uh, Craig's been a long time and highly skilled DJ and musician, so thank you so much for for providing that music for us. So now, as we turn to you uh, for this last segment, Maria, um, let's talk a little bit more about the DNC. Because sure. when it, you know, sometime in September, the um, information went online and petitions, you know, mm -hmm. you need to get petitions if you're interested in being a, a delegate. I have been a delegate to uh, the convention, the DNC. I was, I was a delegate in 2000. And uh, which is hard to believe it was that long ago. Uh, and um, the the convention was actually in um, L.A. Okay. However, for some reason, the Chicago contingent or the Illinois contingent was in Burbank. And I don't know how familiar you are with L.A., but that's a long way that from a, the city proper. Yeah. And it was kind of a pain, frankly, to get from Burbank to uh, L.A. And we kept thinking, did, did you know, do we? Anger someone? Did, why are we way out there? Uh, nonetheless, it was um, an incredible, incredible opportunity to talk to many folks. Um, you know, whether it was uh, folks who are leading the party, um, elected officials. Mm -hmm. I, it was just a really good opportunity. And so, tell me, what are your thoughts about the DNC? And and you know, we've got some work to do before they get here. We do. Um, I'll have to say, I um, I'm nervous, mm -hmm. right? nervous about uh, about the DNC. I'm nervous about 
the issues that mm-hmm. I feel like are unaddressed um, in advance of it. And I don't mean just by the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We've got some some big things specifically, you know, we've all been experiencing here at the city level a lot of tensions and challenges with the new arrivals. Right. So the migrants who've been being bused here from the right. southern border, um, people are putting their heart and soul and their dollars into supporting folks. People are arriving on these buses in very poor conditions, poor health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both the city, private residents, organizations have been uh, just going for more than a year now to try and make sure that this humanitarian crisis isn't worse right. than it already is. Right. Um, and we need the federal government to step up and take leadership. Um, and they're not doing it, right? And you best believe Chicagoans are going to have something to say when the DNC is here. And that, that makes me, that makes me nervous. Right. But, um, you know, how do we do that in a productive way? Right. Well, and it's not only just Chicagoans, Mm -hmm. we will have the spotlight of the entire nation on us. And you know that the other party will make a huge issue of it. And it, it just will not serve us well not to have this in better shape. Yeah. And better under well, and the better other, control. The other party has, I mean, very strategically made this the issue oh, for absolutely. the election. Right. Uh, like, yeah. like it's a, it's a very clear plan and it's diabolically brilliant. That's right. right. No, absolutely. Um, and it's and it's, I think, a reminder for us to really have to understand where it's difficult to do battle or or, you know, have an opponent that is willing to um, go lower than you are. It's difficult when you have somebody that's willing to put lives at risk mm-hmm. to play with people when your team or your party or your loose affiliation of people on one side of a spectrum, right. Right. Uh, if you will, uh, we've got values that say we're not going to play that. Right. We're not going to play that way. And so um, it's 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 always um, it can feel like we're put at a disadvantage. But I think that we do have the advantage, but we've got to work better together to think more than than two steps ahead. And that's where I see, um, you know, our challenge and especially the DNC coming here. Um, I, I hope that they uh, do more listening to people here on the ground in Chicago right. and take the opportunity of being in Chicago um, to have a better understanding of like what the voters in states like Illinois really want to see. And what do you think your role will be? How, how do you think you'll participate in the convention? Oh, that's a will I participate in the convention? I don't know, Mary. I don't oh, know. I don't know okay. if I'm I don't know okay. um, what that'll be. I, I did have the opportunity, I'll say, to meet with the ownership at the United Center, though, hmm. um, and to kind of see some of their plans for at least the logistics and okay. uh, the planning. And I was really impressed, um, impressed with the, the leadership group that they've got there. Um, how they're taking what they've uh, their skill set on logistics, on management, what they learned from all that they contributed to the city during the covid pandemic in those early years um, and how they're going to use this opportunity as well to really, um, you know, bring some more benefits to the neighborhood and to the community. Um, so I think there's a silver lining there. Uh, some parts of it that uh, may tempt me to okay. attend. Maybe. All right. Well, to be continued, we're going to come back to that conversation. Um, tell me now that you're in your second term, which is sure. hard to believe. Yeah, I'm right? a veteran now. A, a vet. Absolutely. Most, most senior older person on the North Lakefront. 
Are you serious? I'm serious. Wow. Okay. Well, what would you share with anyone thinking about running for elected office? Please do it. Um, you know, uh, I think especially hearing from Lenny, she had some great testimony. Um, you can you can do it, right? Um, if you're if you're thinking about it, if it's a goal that you've got, um, spend some time reflecting. Uh, think about have conversations with your your close loved ones. Um, find your kind of inner boundaries, your inner goals. Um, but it's it's something that is more and more attainable for people who are highly motivated to do it. And we need. Um, we need new voices, but more importantly, we need new perspectives um, in office. And so if it's if it's something that you have considered, if it's something you think you've got a gift or an experience to bring to a situation, uh, get involved um, so that you have a better idea of what the role might be. But um, run, do it. So you're saying, come on in, the water's just fine. Come huh? on in, the water is scalding. <laughs> uh, and some of us won't be able to stay here forever. That's right. But, but we need we need more collaborators in how we address issues. Well, let me ask you about one aspect that people often talk to me about when they're thinking about running, and that is um, fundraising. Mm-hmm. How did you approach the fundraising piece? Um, and I, when you say, you know, make sure you're talking to loved ones, because it is just not about you. Correct. And I know you have a serious partner uh, and someone who extraordinary. is extraordinary yeah. partner who has just been there, uh, you know, at every every part of the process. And so but fundraising, what do, you, what do you tell people about fundraising and how have you come to understand this piece of the process? So my first election, I challenged a 28 year incumbent and he outraised me eight to one. Okay, that's really important to hear. Right. Eight to one, Eight to an one. incumbent. Right. How many so, years again? Uh, he was in for 28 years. 28 years. Right. So he outraised me eight to one. Um, I raised about $130,000 for my first election cycle. Okay. Um, so you have to, don't be afraid of the numbers. You have to be a realistic, I made a plan, I made a budget. And knowing that I would likely be outraised, right, you just have to be better with your dollars. Right. Um, more strategic. You have to be more strategic. So I had to work, you know, eight times as hard to get those funds. But I also um, at the local level, it's a little mm-hmm. easier to do this. Right. I developed a fundraising strategy that was based on the the real goal of what was going to get me in office. And that was voters. So we did a small donor program, recurring donor program. And where I directed my time was just as much on doors and on ground and on talking to people who I could ask to vote for me. And so small donor fundraising in, in a ward or a city level also works because if you're giving me $5, you're going to vote for me. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. You don't need to give me $500, mm-hmm. right? You're giving me $5, but you're also going to vote for me. What I need are votes. Right. You need money, but ultimately it's about the votes. Who's going to turn out? And let me just say, um, although I'm, I'm, I, I hope that the Johnson administration knows this, that you did some extraordinary outreach uh, for Mayor Johnson. Yes. You organized, I just want to say, I think, can I say the hell? Can I say hell? <laughs> <laughs> you organized the hell out of uh, yeah. your ward. I yeah, mean, the, it was incredible what you did. The 49th ward turned out. Yeah, the 49th ward turned wow. out. Wow. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, so it's that kind of work that's necessary. Yes. Right? And it is not just a 40-hour-a-week 
role. It is not. People are like, is that a part-time job? Uh, no. Statutorily, it, it could be a part-time right. job, right. but increasingly it's not. It's it's a all-the-time on-call role. That's right, because folks are calling you, checking in, or something comes up that was, to your point, completely unplanned, out of your control, and you must respond. People yes. are looking to you to respond. So that brings me to my last question. How do you relax? How do you turn off the noise? How What do you do for fun? Um. You mentioned my uh, wonderful partner, Natalia. Um, you know what? We spend a lot of time and in, in, in different ways, really making our home kind of a, a sanctuary. Yes, for us. absolutely. We don't have a big home. We have a, a two bedroom, one bath in a co-op, um, but we love it. I've been there for 14 years. Um, she's been there for 10 years with me. Um, we've got our two dogs. We like to cook. A new dog, I noticed. We do. Mm-hmm. Lola joined us a couple of months ago, <laughs> Lola and Finn. Um, I I like to do projects. I built a fireplace for us this I summer. I saw right? some of and it. Did, like, Very impressive. Fireplace. I need to see the finished product. So just like, you know, uh, taking care of my physical self. Mm-hmm. Where we do a lot of exercise, mm-hmm. healthy eating. But like I said, we like to cook. So um, that home space, and whether it's your home or some other special spot for me, that's an important space that's a sanctuary. It's a quiet space um, and where I can retreat to, even even when it is sometimes a workspace. I, and that's right. Sometimes you've got to have some dual purposes there. Yep. OK, but you do try to make sure that you are taking time for yourself, yes. for each other, because, as you know, we often hear um, you've got to put on your own um, mask first. Right. That's true. And if you and if you haven't been replenishing the well, you can't can't keep pulling from the can't well. Can't keep pulling from it. And that's really important when there's so many, um, just so many priorities, yeah. right? If you need to show up for others, you got to show up for yourself Absolutely. First. So thank you so much for showing up for me today. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, you know, it goes so fast and we have so much more we could talk about, but hopefully you'll come back and we want to check in on the DNC and want to remind everyone that the ordinance uh, Bring Home Chicago, Bring Chicago Home, mm-hmm. uh, will be on the March 19th ballot. That'll be a primary. Uh, And so we want to keep that in mind. And next week, again, a 48th Ward uh, constituent, Lucy Smith, uh, singer and musician, will join us. She will be the first person, actually, who's coming back for a second time. And we're going to um, start celebrating the season. Uh, Lucy has an incredible um, uh, holiday um, CD. Ooh. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to play some music. I'm going to have to get a copy of that. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be moving into the holiday season. It takes me a moment to get there, mm-hmm. but it's coming. Uh, so I want to thank Alex today uh, for uh, being our board operator and thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Living Out Loud.